0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Welcome everybody. Good evening. It's so good to be with you. I just love you guys so much and I'm so excited to be able to share a word with you again tonight. So I just want to give a big, big thank you to Apostle Theo and Dr. Bevis always for this great opportunity and I'm always humbled to be able to to be able to do this. So can we just bow our heads for a moment? Father God, we just love you so, so much, Lord. Thank you that you loved us first. Thank you, Lord, that you made it possible. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came. Father, thank you for giving us your very best. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that's here with us. Thank you, Lord God, that even now that you just fill this place. Touch hearts, change lives. Thank you, Lord God, for your word that never fails. It never returns void. And I thank you, Father, that I have this opportunity to be able to share this word. Holy Spirit, though, I know you the teacher. I can do nothing without you. And so I submit myself completely to you. And I thank you, Lord, that we will receive the word of God tonight as rain would fall in the springtime, bringing new growth. We're already planting seeds, Lord, on, 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 on fertile soil that will bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, family, we're starting a brand new series tonight, so that's super exciting for me because I'm on part one of our new series, which we have called E.R., And you may think, gee, that's a weird name, but it doesn't actually stand for what you think it stands for. But though I must say, when I think about all the pressure and all the stress and all the crises around the world, I think it definitely has had an effect on each and every one of us and certainly on our relationships. And maybe a couple of us feel maybe like we're in need of some critical care, some ER, right? But really, the ER that we want to talk about in the series is for extraordinary relationships. I know there are probably people here today that say, Gee, you know, that's just like that bar is just too high. I'm just not in a place where I feel that I can reach extraordinary in any part of my life. You know, just, I would be happy just to kind of lift it up a little bit, just to be a little bit higher than what I see around me. But you know, family, may I just say this, that maybe with all of this, maybe we kind of have lowered the bar of our expectation of what God can actually do in our lives. Amen? You know, just that, that it just seems to have been such a, a struggle. And the word extraordinary doesn't mean that you're better than everybody else, it simply means that you're extraordinary. The opposite of that would be ordinary. And clearly, ordinary hasn't worked very well, (laughs) right? Would you agree? So we wanna just come to that place where we really can lift that bar, lift the expectation of our faith to be able to to do this and allow God to do what He really has for us in our lives. Now, I wanna start with the scripture that I just always love to even start the the marriage course with, and that's Romans chapter 12. But I wanna read it tonight from the Message Translation, and it says this, it says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture. And actually now you're fitting into that culture, right? You're looking like that culture, like you're ordinary, like everybody else. It says, without even thinking, instead fix your attention on God. And family, tonight so I want to say, if you just let me take you on a little bit of a journey. And I believe that it's really going to work because we'll be changed how from the inside out. And maybe that's not really how we want it. You know, sometimes we we want it from the outside. Like, oh, God, just make her nice. God, just make him show up. But you see, for it to happen externally, it has to happen first on the inside. The Bible says readily recognize what he wants from you, what God wants from you, and quickly respond to it. And like the culture around you, will drag you down to its level of immaturity. God wants to bring out the best in you. And that's in everything, in your temperament, in your attitude, in your marriage, in our communication, in conflict resolution, even in intimacy in our marriages. God wants to bring out the very, very best in us. Developing a well-formed maturity in all of us, the Bible says, that is God's plan, family. And know that it's actually possible. This is something that if we would just allow God to do it for us. And take us on this journey that he has for us. So I really want to sort of start on the sort of medical theme. You know, the sort of ER thing. And just a kind of medical thought. And that is that in the natural, our whole life is centered around our heart. Because the condition of our heart will determine the condition of... Of our lives. You know, there are some organs in our body that we can actually live without. You know, there's some parts of our body we can survive without. But you can't survive without your heart, right? Your heart stops. Boy, that's the end of life as we know it. So we're talking here about cardiovascular disease. I love Dr. Bev. When they say, Doctor of what? She says, I specialize in cardiovascular problems. Isn't act of truth? But in the natural, cardiovascular disease we know is still one of the top killers around the world today. And may I say, it would seem that we have cardio, spiritual cardiovascular disease, because a lot of what we don't like that is happening actually stems from what is coming out of our hearts. And so the title of my message tonight is A Matter of the Heart. And we're going to look a little bit deep into the scriptures tonight, is that Okay. All you brave soldiers say, "Okay, Mouse, I so appreciate you being here. So let's have a look, I wanna start with Proverbs chapter four and it starts by saying, above all else. Everybody say, above all else. Now, you know what above all else means? It means above all else. It says above all else, you gotta guard your heart because out of it flows the wellspring. One translation says out of your heart flows all the issues of life. And isn't that the truth, family? You see, so it really is God's plan that we should focus on what happens on the inside. And we see this really happening when Jesus was teaching. What he would do is he would always sort of, when he speaks about religion or or faith in God, he would always try and bring us away from the external. Now, just sort of a quick, by the way, is that if you really want to sort of see differences between Old Testament and New Testament, one of the differences is exactly that, is that mostly in in the Old Testament, everything was external, right? I mean, the law was external, and obedience was external. But I mean, when the New Testament comes along and it says, no, 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 hang on, you've got to, what happens on the outside comes from what happens on the inside, and in the Old Testament, they never really focused much on the inside. And that's the reason, I mean, Jesus would say things like, you know, you heard it said, do not commit adultery. Now, that would be external behavior. But he would say that, you know, if you have lust in your heart, you're already in the process of adultery, Right? And adultery is not happening because of, of, of your undisciplined or something. It's happening because there's a seed of lust in the heart. So if we take care of the heart, it's going to take care of all of that stuff. Now Jesus would talk about these things about divorce and marriage and, and remarriage. and I mean, they would actually come to him, I mean we see how the Pharisees would come and, and talk to him. In fact, if we have a look at Matthew chapter 19 and I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, where the Pharisees come to Jesus right now, they're trying to trick him. They don't come with a, with a, a pure motive. There's another agenda. They're trying to trap him with this question. And they say, well, should a, a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? And Jesus says, and he refers to the Old Testament, and he says, but haven't you read the scriptures? You know, I mean, from, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. May I just pause right there and just say that I, mean, I know the world is completely confused as to whether it's male or female or a number of other things, <laughs> but God is not unclear, family. The word is not unclear. So I just thought I'd put it out there. It carries on, it says this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one, and since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And then they come back again, and now they've got a follow-up question. They kind of well, okay, we see what you're saying about this. But then they say, but then why did Moses say, in the law, that a man could get his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? So kind of, if this is not what you wanted, Why was it permitted in the law? Watch what Jesus says. This is so amazing. He says this. He says, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to the fact that it all really began with a hard heart. But it was not what God originally intended. Now, family, if ever we get to a point in our lives that we have something in our lives that God didn't originally intend we can either just kind of struggle through it or what we can do is we can actually address the condition of our hearts and I believe that's what God wants us to do and this heart issue is huge I mean we see this in the old testament you know you see where the priests you know they used to wear different garments for different things and one of the garments that they would wear is called the breast piece of decision Now you may say to me, but you know, that's an Old Testament and it's a priest and what's that got to do with me? Well, in the New Testament, you are called a kingdom of priests. And the Bible tells us that everything is written in the word for our edification and for our knowledge and for training. And so we can take this on. I wanna look at Exodus chapter 28, and it says, whenever the priest comes to God, enters the holy place, he's already bearing names, names written over the heart. Now I wanna explain this to you, that every single time that we come to God, each and every one of us, when we come to God, we are bearing something that has been written on our lives. All of us, family, let me say it this way, we are right now the sum total of everything that has happened to us up until this point, and it's all recorded on the heart. And that's why each and every one of us can see exactly the same thing right now, And each and every one of us will discern it completely differently. Why? Because it's going through this filter of all of our experiences. I like to call it the four Ps. Pain, past, problems, people. And we all have it, right? The Bible calls them names. And they're written over our hearts, family. And watch this now. These names that are written on our hearts is is called the breast piece of decision. In other words, we will always bear the means of making the decision by that which is already written on our hearts. Now we've all got it, we've got some good stuff, we've got some bad stuff, and we're putting it through this filter. And let me say this, if we've got an unhealed, unforgiving, unrepentant, unredeemed heart, we're gonna be saying things like, you know, why? am I so mad all the time why does everything make me so angry why do I overreact to everything that comes my way because what we are filtering it through these things that are written on our hearts family right so we really had to take some steps and I'd like for you just to come a bit on this journey with me tonight and let me just say this you know that we can go to heaven with an unhealed heart but we're gonna be miserable the whole way. So it's not really what God has for us. And there's actually no way that we're ever gonna try and improve our relationships, whether it's our marriage or our children and our life, whether, how are we gonna get free of addictions and bad habits or wrong choices, family, without first dealing with what is going on inside of our hearts. And we all have it. And some of us, for it's actually a name of a person. And maybe that person really marked you Good or bad? For a lot of us, it's different experiences that really marked your life. Again, whether it's good or bad, but it's marked us. And so we put it through this filter and what God wants us to do that before we even think about in our relationships, things like communication and conflict resolution and and intimacy in marriage, I mean, we better start with what is going on right here because all of that stuff is just gonna be filtered through the hurts and the pain of the past. So I wanna show you another place in the Old Testament, and this is quite interesting. You probably don't remember this guy's name, but you do remember his son very well because na- his father's name is Abram. I wanna read this to you. I mean, this is found in Genesis chapter 11, from verse 27, and it says, this is the account of Terah. How many of you remember Terah? Family, such an amazing story. It says, Terah became the father of three boys, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran became the father of Lot. And while his father Terah was still alive, Haran, the baby of the family, is now dead. So we don't know how Haran died, but it explains why the family felt so much responsibility for taking care of his son Lot. What we do know that it was premature because daddy's still alive. Now maybe it was disease, I mean, maybe it was an accident. Haran's gone, and it even mentions where it happens. It happens in Ur of the Chaldeans. Now I want you to see Ur as that place that God actually doesn't want you to be. That's why it's called Ur. That's the original Hebrew. <laughs> Somewhere, <way>, I'm sure. <laughs> but I want you to notice this, family, that it, Where this event takes place, right? And I'm gonna refer to something tonight, I'm gonna infer something that I don't have exact scripture for, but I do want you to just see the whole story, okay? Terah, all of a sudden, he wakes up one day and he decides, listen, I need to get out of Ur. I've gotta get out of this place. I need to go to a new place. And he ends up telling us where this place is. And he says, I'm gonna go to Canaan, which just ends up being the promised land. Now the only thing that's missing here that I wanna kind of put in there, and you don't have to accept this, just put it out, okay, that just maybe God called him to do it. Just maybe that when he woke up one day, you know, that, that it was that God said to him, take your son Abraham, grandson of Lot, right, son of Haran, and your daughter in North Sarai, and wife of Abraham, and together they set up and they went to go to Canaan, which ended up being the promised land, right? So maybe that could have happened. And just what if, I mean, what if, what if it was supposed to be the God of terror, Abraham and Isaac, or not Isaac, uh, <laughs> Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What if it was supposed to be? Now I'm not saying, I'm not saying accept it, I'm just saying it's just a thought. But think about, it. this is really what I want you to think about is that he was supposed to be the guy, the Bible tells us this, that went to Canaan. But the next verse is probably one of the most depressing verses in the whole Bible, because it says that when they came to Haran, now you may say, but hang on, I thought Haran was dead. No, but Haran is the name of a city that is in between Ur and the promised land that they had to pass through. So when they come to the city called Haran, family, he just got there, he just He couldn't get over his pain. He just got stuck there. So, I mean, it's just, you can imagine, he settled there. It was not where he was supposed to go. Remember, he's going to Canaan, but he didn't go to Canaan. The Bible tells us Terah lived for 205 years and died in Haran. Now, what I want you to see is the point, and this is the most important thing, is that we have tried and tried to get people out of their earth into their promised land. And on the journey, something happens, that something just snaps and they get stuck in this area of their pain and they just cannot get past it. They just get stuck there. And for him, it was the death of his baby boy. And I understand that. I mean, it must have been so traumatic for him that he gets stuck in this place that he never got God's best. He never walked in the fullness of what God had for him. And for the rest of his life, he remained ordinary where God had something extraordinary for him. Now, verse, next, very, next verse is chapter 12 and verse one. And what we see here really is the calling of Abram. And I can imagine God saying, would you leave? Would you be the one to go? Your daddy didn't make it, but would you do this? And so we see how Abram picked it up. But the question is this, is why did Terah miss his destiny? Because of a name. And this name for him was the name of Haran, right? And for many of us, we may say, no, nah, but you know, that's not like me. You know, I mean, in my family, you know, my dad, he's just mean, and my opah, he's also mean, and me, I'm just mean, it just runs in the family. No, family, it's all in the heart. It's all in the heart. I'm gonna show you another place. And this I love this because you know what? It just shows me how desperately God wants to write these positive names into our lives. All those things that he has written in his word about us. Family, that's what he wants on our hearts But let me show you this This is, you know, it's just throughout the scriptures. And how many times, I mean, in the word have we read when God starts working in somebody's life, how he actually changes their names when it has such a great effect on them, like Abram to Abraham changed his whole life. His future started happening because of a change in his name. We said with Simon and Peter, even with, with Jacob and Israel, all these different names, but the story really that I want to tell you right now comes out of the book of Daniel, also one of my Old Testament heroes. And what you see at this time is really where God had taken his hand off Israel. He pretty much said, You know, you guys have rejected me enough already, took his hand off. And because God had removed his hand of protection, what happened was is that the ba- Babylonians came in and besieged the city. I mean, ripped it apart. You know, it took like all of the, the inhabitants, all the Israelites with him to Iraq as slaves. Right, and I want to just show you now, and this is, it's called the Babylonian captivity, or the Babylonian exile. And let's have a look at it. I'm going to tell you a story. It's in Daniel chapter one from one to seven. I'm going to just, for the sake of time, um, paraphrase this a little bit. But to pick it up in verse three, it says the king ordered this official, this guy by the name of Ashpenaz, who was the chief of the court's officials. And he says, go pick out some of those Hebrews, some of those Israelites from the royal family and nobility. And we're not going to treat them like common slaves. We're going to bring them into my court and they're going to serve me. So bring me, find me some of these young men. And I want to pause there and just say, by the way, this is where most of these names get written onto our young children's lives. And we'll see here this attack of the devil that we right now on our university campuses, in our high schools, on our young people, straight from the pits of hell. And there's an assault against our young people right now, trying to indoctrinate them from something that is so far from God. It's not what God has for us. And I'm telling you, if we do not wake up, we're gonna miss the fact that they've got all these names written on their lives for the rest of their lives. So let's get passionate about that. It's really happening, it's really happening. Let's get back to Daniel chapter one. Find me some young men, listen to this, who don't have any physical defect, who are handsome they're showing aptitude for every kind of learning well-informed quick to understand qualified to serve and teach them in other words indoctrinate them into the babylonian culture the babylonian language the babylonian literature let's change them and so amongst others they chose four daniel you're aware of Maybe you don't recognize these three other names, which is Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the reason you don't recognize their names is because those are their Hebrew names. We know them by their Babylonian names, which is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego what you probably don't know is what these names mean. And that's what we're going to have a look at tonight. The word Daniel, the name Daniel means I am going to live by the judgments, the statutes, and the plan of God. God is right, not me. God is my judge. And they wanted to give him this new name, which is Belteshazzar. You may say, wow, that sounds really fancy. Maybe I should name my son that. No, no, you don't want to do that because it's actually a feminine name. It actually means lady protect the king. And this is happening in our society right now where people are saying, no, 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 no. That's not really who you are. This is who you are. This is confused identity. We have a generation that is confused about who they are. And by the way, the world's answer to that is called gender-affirming care, they call it. Sounds fancy, doesn't it? We need to tell them who God created them to be. Second one, get on. (laughs) Hananiah's name, it means Yahweh has been gracious. It's like God is awesome. He's gracious, he's so good. They changed it to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. You need to be scared of God. He's mean. He's not for you. He's against you. You mess up, he's gonna take you out. It's distorted spirituality. And by the way, family, this is changing even before our eyes, where people are saying, you know, I mean, you don't wanna serve God. You know, there's, I mean, there's nothing to serving God. I mean, it's just gonna be so boring. He's no fun. There's nothing good happening there. It's a lie from the devil. It's to to distort our spirituality. Michel is the next one, and his original name means, who is what God is? I mean, God is so awesome. You know, there's just such an awe about worshiping him. They changed it to Meshach, which means I'm despised, contemptible, humiliated, and it's this wounded emotion. And family, let me tell you, we see this happening, those names particularly, when children go from primary school into high school, where through primary school they've been told that they're winners, that they're on top, that they're gonna qualify, that they're all these things. Suddenly they find themselves in high school and there's all these big kids and they're intimidated and they start doing things they never dreamt they would do just to be accepted. And they get these names written on their lives. And the last one is Azariah. Which means Yahweh has helped me. It means that Yahweh is a is the, is the God who prophesies into my future. That's what it literally means. And they changed it to Nega, And what that means, it means servant of Nebo. This one's probably the hardest to understand if you don't know what the word Nebo means. And if you just Google it, it'll say angel of light. What does that sound like? But it actually means to prophesy. No, 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 don't follow what God has in your life, the devil's got a new script for you. Rather follow his script. Once again, it's redirected purpose, family. So I don't wanna say this, you know, that there are people that may find themselves in a situation where you say, you know what, but I've chosen the wrong plan. I find myself in the situation and I don't think it was ever what God wanted for me or I ended up in it for whatever reason. And some may say, you know what, I don't even know what to do. It's just too late to change everything because I'm already married to this person. I've already done this. I've already done that. I've already had this. I've already had this. And there's no way out because I've chosen this life or I've ended up in it. And to which you want to know today that God, family, has supernatural ability to change the future. We can leave the past behind, he can change. Yes, give God some glory. Let him change it. And I know, I know it's a long, long way to go from Joburg to Durban if you're going via Cape Town, but you know what? You can still get there. God still has a plan. It doesn't matter that you've taken a wrong turn. God says, I want you to know that the last chapter that I have written for you will still fit. Amen. And I would love to say at this stage, just lift your hands, I pray for you. God's gonna erase all the nonsense off your hearts and immediately he's gonna rewrite it with his word. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 that it's a process, it's a journey. He's given us a prescription of how we are to do this, family. So I really would be be glad if you can just stay with me at this time and and just that you would get to that point in your life where you just say, you know, things don't bug me so much anymore. I just don't get so upset anymore. I just don't get so overwhelmed anymore. Why? Because I have something inside of me that has changed. I have rewritten that operating program of my life and so my reactions are different, and people will say, well, what happened? You know, well, you've had a name change. You've had a change in identity, a change in spirituality. You have changed everything so that your future is started on a whole new footing, and I want to go back to our four names, because if we'll just do this, and Daniel, as I said, means I'm going to let the one who designed me define me. Amen? So I'm gonna say, God is right and I am not. I am gonna be that person and I'm not gonna live by my emotions and my feelings anymore, but I'm gonna be the person that allows God's word to work through me, that it is God in me that people will see because he created me and surely the manufacturer's instruction book is what I need in my life. Amen? I wanna just read to you in the words of David. He says, You created me in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb, which is, by the way, why we are pro-life in this church family because God had his hand on your life even when you were still in the womb. You are not just an embryo, you're a person. That's what he created you to be. He carries on and says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. You put days and a purpose and a plan for me that were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God is not someone to be afraid of. Number two, if you want to take this journey, is that we need to see God for who He really is. So number two is see God the right way, that He loves you, family. And I know that for some, you can't even believe that anybody could love you so much because no one ever has. But God loves you. And you know what? He knows what you did last night. He knows what you thought last night. But you know what? His thoughts are still precious, when He thinks about you. Now, you may say, are you sure? I'm sure. He, does He approve? <laughs> no, He doesn't approve, but He still loves you. He's not irritated. He's not frustrated because you know what? He still sees you for what you could be. He doesn't judge you, family, for what you've done because He sees who you can become. The third step in this journey, family, is, is that if we, just, if we just be willing to take it, is is that I need to just allow God to heal my heart. So the first one is I'm gonna live according to what God says. The second thing is I'm gonna see God the right way. And the third thing is that I have to do is I have to allow God to do it. Right, let me say it this way. God sees your heart, that it can be healed. And how these names that have been written can be erased and rewritten. But you know what? It's never gonna happen. Until you say, until I say, God, I'm gonna take the mask off. I'm gonna open it up. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna have no hidden parts of my life. I'm gonna give it all to you. We've got to give God permission. That's what we have to do. And for most of us, a lot of us find this in, in freedom groups. And the reason being that we discover that there's just other people that are going through the same thing but we have to invite God into our future. We have to go forward and say, Lord, I'm going to live my life for you. Now, everything that I've read here comes straight out of Psalm 139. Family, you can read the whole thing. And now the very last verse I wanna draw your attention to, which says, Lord, lead me in a path of everlasting life. Now, maybe you think, well, that's going to heaven. Yes, it is, but the path is speaking about now. Is talking about right now that we would walk in the fullness of all that God has for us right now, the joy unspeakable, full of glory, the fulfillment of everything as we walk in the steps that He has His plan for us. Amen. I'd like to just pray for you a moment if I can do that. Father, I just want to thank you for your word tonight, Father. And each and every one of us have got names that are written on our hearts. And we thank you, Father God, that you will show us what they are, Father, in the areas that we need to deal with them and how we need to go about this, Father. But thank you, Lord, tonight we open up our hearts to you, Lord. We say, Father, here we are, change us, Lord. Show us, lead us, guide us into what it is you have us, the truths that you have for us, Father, that we would be changed, Lord God, that when we come before you, the names that we have written are the names that you want in our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for that. If you just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like to just say this as well. Maybe you just say, you know, but I'm not even a Christian. I don't even know how to do that. Well, the first thing you need to do is you've got to make a decision. You've got to decide. And then when you've made that decision, you've got to tell him. And I would be so honored tonight to be able to lead you in a prayer that would change your life right now, that you just get on the, on the stairway to heaven for, that God has for us. And all we have to do is we've got to believe in our heart and that, that, God, that Jesus is Lord, we've got to receive him. We've got to believe that God raised him from the dead and the Bible tells us that he will save us. That's his promise to us. So tonight I wanna to make three, three invitations. If you have never, ever invited Jesus to be a Lord of your life, I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna to count to three in a moment and just ask you to raise your hand up right there where you are. Secondly, if maybe you have Ask the Lord to come into your life some time ago and maybe you've just strayed away or maybe you just haven't been able to get to church, whatever the reason may be. Family, tonight is the night to open up your heart to Jesus. So if you've got to rededicate your life and just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I want to come back, help me. then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up as well. Or perhaps tonight you just want an assurance in your heart that you are in fact going to heaven. Then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up as well. So if you want to respond to any one of those three Invitations. would you just raise your hand up right now, right there where you are. Those of you online, just raise your hand up because God sees it. Those of you in the other venues, just raise your hand up real high. I see that hand at the back. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, family. I know for there are some here that the devil would do anything in his power to stop you from raising your hand right now. That there's almost like a war going on on the inside of you. You need to raise up your hand. God is for you. He's not against you. He wants you to take this journey. Thank you, Father. I wanna ask everybody if they would just pray this prayer with me right now. Just say this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Today I repent, Lord. I wanna stand before you with clean hands and a pure heart. Cleanse me, Lord. Lord Jesus, I receive you. Into my life. I make you my personal Lord and my Savior. Thank you for receiving me. I am now a child of God. I will be in heaven for all of eternity with you, Jesus. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. dot com.